living out in the fields nearby. It was night, and and they were talking, taking care of their sheep. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of God shone around them. They were terrified, but the angel said, "Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, great joy for all people." for the anniversary of the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's do a brief recap of what we talked about last week when we lit the hope candle. Last week's service and meditation focused on hope. How did your meditations go through the week when you were thinking about hope? I found it difficult. I'll just be honest with you. I needed to, I thought I needed to discipline myself just to embrace hope, and what I found was that wasn't enough. So I had to ask God to help me recognize hope, to see it in different things that took place during the course of the week. I needed God to show me that. And I just say that because it's true, and to encourage you as you are looking and preparing yourself. Know that it's not something that you have to do by force of will, by yourself, and that you're alone. But the Holy Spirit of God is present with you and with me. 
and that God will help us in this season of preparation to see the beautiful gifts, the wonder of what God has given us in this Advent season. So last week we were reminded of the sign of hope that God has given us. A baby wrapped in rags with parents who were extremely poor, extremely limited in resources that they had available to them. So much so that their baby was placed, his first crib was a trough used to feed the animals, the manger. God said, here's the sign. You'll find a vulnerable God. To recognize him, you'll see him in all his vulnerability. And he'll look, to be honest, he'll look quite pitiful. But when you see this child wrapped, this baby, wrapped in rags, lying in a manger, that's the sign that you found. Savior. It may not be what you've expected, but this is how it begins. We can put our hope in so many things that will give us limited satisfaction, or we can ask God to help us recognize the true signs of God's presence, that God has come. Often they won't look like what we want them to look like, but they will be signs and indicators to us that God is present still in our world and God is concerned, caring for you and me. And that God's, what God's presence is, there's a surety, a certainness, a hope that lingers, that keeps us moving forward and reaching for God in every situation. This week, our focus is on peace. This portion of our Advent moment, will, we will light the peace candle. It's also called the faith candle. Today, in our sermon, we'll talk about peace. Not in the usual ways we think about peace, but in a way that I hope will help us embrace the Prince of Peace in our lives as we consider quiet, the things that happen in the quiet before we come to our fullness, just like the things that happened for Jesus as he acquired peace before he entered into his time of ministry and as he enters into his reign. Our Advent reading today is found in Matthew 1, verses 18 through 24. I'll be reading in the NIV version, so please feel free to read along. There is a Bible located uh, at the bottom of your screen, you'll see. You can have prayer in the Bible or chat in the Bible. You can click on that and pull up the scripture as well. Again, it's Matthew 1, 18-24. Verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary, Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home to be his wife. If you're participating at home with the lighting of the candle, 
please let a member of your family join me in lighting our second candle, the peace candle or the faith candle. Please join me as we read our prayer for peace. I adapted it from a settler's prayer for peace found um, online in Carol Pinner. Eh, I'll put it up on the, on the screen so you can see it. So there is a section as you will see for the leader and then for the community. Pray, please pray with me as we pray this prayer of peace for our world. God Creator, hear our prayer for people everywhere. For people living on stolen land that was traded unfairly from indigenous peoples. Community, Creator, hear our prayer. For people stolen from their homelands and through wickedness turned into things no longer claimed as Imago Dei by their human siblings. Creator, hear our prayer. For those seeking safety and peace for themselves and their children at our borders, only to be terrorized and traumatized all the more. Creator, hear our prayer. For the babies and little ones who will never know or see their mom, mamas and papas ever again because of our nation's cruelty and your church's chosen impotence, who are now captured in our great nation's unjust systems, unwanted and alone. Creator, hear our prayer. For those whose value and origins have been overemphasized and overesteemed, those who are favored in systems of bias, prejudice, and racism. Creator, hear our prayer. You know our cruelties, our disregard for cultures and histories, our cavalier dismissal of treaty rights and legislations declaring freedom, our personal prejudices, our institutional racism. We are part of a colonial system so insidious, those who benefit often don't see it, even when it's in front of our faces. Creator, hear our prayer. You are a God who names, a God who hears, a God who calls out to save. You know the name of every missing and murdered indigenous woman. You know the names of every black and brown person murdered by an authority. You heard the cries of every child who was and is locked in a prison on our borders. You know the name of every queer person murdered and harmed throughout our history. You witnessed and were present to every woman beaten and raped by a loved one or a stranger. You know the original names of every enslaved person. You know why black lives matter. You know the original names of every landmark in languages that no one living knows. You hear the earth groaning as it is torn and broken for selfish gain, its holy balance polluted and poisoned. Creator, hear our prayer. God, creator, send us the understanding of peace with you and peace with one another to melt our cold and damaged hearts. Help us respond according to your spirit of hope who blows through our land, rearranging landscapes, upsetting tables where money is counted. Help us to express genuine remorse. Help us demonstratively seek forgiveness. Help us embrace your gospel of peace. Creator, hear our prayer. And together, 
please breathe into us a wind of life that changes our hearts. Give us courage to seek justice, love kindness, and walk humbly together. First Nations, Intuit, and Matisse. Mestizos, those of African descent, and settlers. For we are all God's children. In Jesus' name, amen. about peace, what I envision is probably what everybody envisions. I see a beautiful sunrise or sunset being viewed from some isolated patch of the beautiful earth where there's a, a gentle breeze blowing and the birds are gracefully flying in the air. Now, as an introvert, that is so appealing to me. I love peace, I love peaceful environments, the quiet, the solitude. So, images like that, that I, like I just mentioned before, they come to mind when I consider the word peace. And when I inject God into my thoughts about peace, I think that that image 
those points, those places, is what God will bring me to in my life, where I can experience that kind of calm and tranquility. That I'll have moments in, you know, on those patches of land where it'll feel like that. It'll, it'll look like that to me. But back in September, when I was thinking about the Advent sermons that I had to preach, this one in particular, one on peace, I wanted to focus on the calmness and tranquility, but something just didn't sit right with me. I was unsettled when I thought about Jesus and peace in that way. I asked myself if, it's, if that's what being the Prince of Peace is all about, capturing a, a tranquil or creating a tranquil setting for me or for us to do what in or to do what with just to sit down and be tranquil it stirred those those old songs that I used to hear growing up about you know that when I get to heaven I'm going to sit down and rest and do nothing and that stuff I dismissed that stuff years ago you know that that's not reality just no we can um we're not gonna just sit down and do nothing. So, and if I did have to sit down and do nothing, I, I get bored, how about you? I would get bored really quick. So um, I figured it's gotta be more to peace than those serene images of gentle fields with maybe hay growing in the wind or wheat growing in the wind blowing through the wheat, you know? All of those images, they're beautiful, I love them. But there's got to be more to peace when I think about Jesus. So I looked up the word peace, which is a good place to begin, right? Peace, definition. Peace is a stress-free state of security and calmness that comes when there's no fighting or war. Everything coexisting in perfect harmony and freedom. When you feel at peace with yourself, you are content to be who you are, flaws, and everything. Now, I like that. That's an amazing definition. I can work with that. Let me read it again. Peace is a stress-free state of security and calmness that comes when there's no fighting, no war, everything coexisting in perfect harmony and freedom. When you feel at peace with yourself, you are content to be the person you are, flaws, and everything. So if I apply this to Jesus, I feel pretty secure in saying that Jesus exists in a state of uh, being stress-free, right? A state of security and calmness, existing in perfect harmony and freedom because he is content with who he is. Now, you all can, can buy into that, right? Yeah. So how did he get in that, that stress-free state of security and calmness to begin with? That's the question I had to ask myself, or I asked myself. Now, some will answer this way. Jesus was born that way because he's God 100%. And so one of the things he has with his God nature is just being peace. Okay, but this is where I think we, we, we tend to diminish Jesus' humanity. God said to humanity, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. So as a human being, that applies to Jesus too. There were things he needed to learn and grow in to fulfill his portion of the mission God gave him as a part of humanity. He was born. Jesus was that little human baby I spoke of last week. Here's the sign. Hope in the baby born with nothing. Hope is who he is and who he will be. But he starts as a baby and he grew in wisdom and stature according to Luke 2.52. 
and he grew in favor with God and with humanity. Jesus grew and he matured. He developed in stuff, just like you and I develop in stuff. We keep growing. Stuff keeps happening, and we're developing all the time. Now, throughout Jesus' life, he lived in, he was surrounded by, and dealt with stress all the time. He, uh, he got the stress of a long journey to Bethlehem being difficult on mom and baby while he was still in her womb, Mary's womb. Then he had mom stress. She, she, can you imagine she had to be worried as they were traveling and she was so close to delivering. And then can you imagine when the contraction started? Oh my goodness. And her water broke. Did she have a place to give birth yet? All of that stress happening and babies feel maternal stress. It impacts them. And then you've got the stress of in the air of, uh, of Herod wanting to kill him and the family having to escape to, to Egypt. And you feel the stress that's in the air. And he has the stress of, of being, of having limited resources growing up in the ghetto of Galilee. All of these stresses. And then you've got the stress, maybe, of people telling you stories and whispering about what God said about him, who he would be. Now, I can, imagine, I can imagine that that last one was a big stress. People telling you that you're supposed to be this and you're supposed to be that. You're the fulfillment of, of, of what God said in Scripture. That's a huge stress, right? And Scripture never said that they told him. No, it didn't. But Scripture never says that they didn't. How do you keep that a secret? How do you hold back from this child? Or how does a child not overhear a conversation between mom and dad and the events that happen? And how do mom and dad not share the events, the things that happen to bring this child into the world? How do they not get together with Elizabeth and, and her husband and not talk about what happened with John and with Jesus? So there's that stress that would be of, of the story of who he is and who he would be. And again, how do you keep that kind of thing secret? And I need you to forgive me for saying this, but he probably, as he was growing up, work with me, stay with me as I say this, understand that he's human. Sometimes I think about Jesus as a young person, and I think, he had to be weird, you know? It was Jesus, but he had to be weird, right? He was probably an unusual child. The other kids and adults being uh, as wonderful as, you know, kids can be, and as wonderful as adults can be when, you know, in our nasty selves sometimes, they probably even called him weird or, or something like that. Or, they were jealous hearing the stories or watching how folks treated him. Like, like when he went for the festival and sat with the rabbis and he actually started teaching the rabbis and they all listened to him. You know, that's weird. That doesn't happen all the time. So he was probably unusual. And I call it weird. But because what we don't understand we put negative labels on, right? But Jesus figured, he figured it out. The scripture tells us that Jesus grew in favor with humanity, with humankind. He figured out how to handle the stuff people threw at him. And he figured out how to get along peacefully with people. So, I want to say this regarding peace. Like Jesus figured out how
how to live peacefully with them. Jesus grew in his life. He grew in peace. He grew in it. Now, what does that mean? Jesus grew to be a con in, Jesus grew to be in a contented state with who he was and who he was to be. He grew in peace with his destiny and acceptance of it. He had peace, he had peace about it. Something, some, I probably imagine that sometimes his peace was, was tested and sometimes it shook him. You know, it got shook like yours and mine gets shook, but he would find it. It was there. It was an anchor for him. And um, just to verify that sometimes it probably got shaken, the story told about Jesus going to the Garden of Gethsemane, it says that, 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 that the stress was so much that he went and prayed, and, and, and while he was praying, the sweat came out of him like it was blood. So that's some heavy-duty prayer about some heavy-duty things that are about to go down in his life because he was about to face the cross. So, so Jesus was someone who had to deal with a lot of stress. So he had to grow in being able to deal with it so he could get to this place of peace. He figured it out. He figured stuff out about living and acquiring and maintaining peace. So the lesson for you and I is that you and I need to grow, to keep growing, so we can be in a contented state with who we are and who we're going to be, just like Jesus had to grow. This is the gift he's giving us at Christmas. And we have to access it and grow in it. Listen, 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now may the God of peace give you peace in all ways at all times. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of God rule your hearts. Why? As members of one body, you were called to live in peace. Your peace helps others increase in peace, rise up in peace, be peaceful. Be in a contented state with who they are and who they are to be as they grow. So implied in peace is to be contented, to be in a state of satisfaction, to be at peace. I'm satisfied, I understand, I got this with who you are and who you're about to be. Peace is a gift, but peace is not this thing that, that, that exists in isolation, sitting out in some, in some grove or, or, or in some field with the wind blowing and the trees and, and, and the birds flying. Peace is about knowing. It's about being satisfied with knowing. It's about being satisfied with knowing that who you are is good and that who you are destined to be is good also. Peace is about living in a state of not being stressed out about that. Peace is about knowing that you were created for good and now, for good right now, and that in the future, it's still going to be good. And you can trust, you can have faith, and not be stressed out about it. It's about knowing that God, that the God, or that yeah, the God who began the good work in you is going to complete it. It's about knowing that God knows the plan that God has for you, that gives you and me hope and a future. We live in the hope for that future. You see, God doesn't make junk, ordinary old junk. God can't. It's not in God's capacity to make something or someone that's inferior. 
You've been given a purpose. I've been given a purpose. Living in peace is about having faith. Uh, listen, ah, uh, there it is. It's that thing. Remember I said that, that this Sunday, this Advent Sunday, it's about peace. And we lit the peace candle that's sometimes also called the faith candle. Living in peace is about having the faith to believe that you will be exactly who God has called you to be. And you will do what God has called you to do in your life. That you will meet your potential. That you will live out your destiny. And that it will be good. So we can rest in peace, a stress-free state of security and calmness that comes when there's no fighting or war within. Everything coexisting in harmony and freedom. When you feel at peace with yourself, you are contented to be or content to be the person you are and the person that you're destined to be. You're content with your flaws and all. Now, that's worth lighting a candle over. That's worth growing in peace with God concerning. God gave me a plan for my life just as God has given that to you, a destiny. And I can grow in confidence that God who began the work in me, that God is going to see it through. God is going to help make sure I hit my marks. God is going to be there every step of the way. I can receive God's gift of peace about that. Because if God did it in the life of Jesus, God won't withhold it from me. God will do it in my life. I want you to think about that. And we're instructed to keep growing in this peace because of our connection with our family. That peace is something we need. This confidence to grow. This confidence to know that God is going to accomplish in my life the things that God has destined for me. And to be confident. I can be confident and at peace with this other thing too. That God will do the same in your life. And so we can grow up as one body filled with a confidence that God will complete us. We are one body, one people. We weren't called to be alone. God said being alone wasn't good. So he's called us together and given us peace. But we have to access it. We have to grow in it. We have to live up to it and grow so that we can be like Jesus. And though the stress comes and the storms come, though the water comes over our boats in life, we can have and be confident in this. I have the peace of God. He said, peace I give you, not like the world. I'm not looking anymore for that meadow. Now, I'm an introvert. I'll still go sit out in that wonderful meadow. But the anchor of our peace is in that confidence that as God brought Jesus to Jesus' destiny on the earth and the destiny that's coming when he comes again, glory, that God will do all those things for you and for me again. That's worth thinking about this week. That's worth savoring. That's the quiet that comes in our growing and learning. That, being able to stand in that place of peace, it's the quiet before you and I reign in the places God has destined for us to be, to lead, to be creative and imaginative, to, to be fruitful and fill the earth 
goodness. So we still may be in the quiet. And while we're in the quiet, before we get to the place of rain, raining like Jesus, <laughs> let's acquire. Let's know that we know that we know that we have peace. It's a wonderful gift. Think about that. Mosaic family, Joy Howard here. I'd like to invite you to the longest night service that we're going to have on December 21st at 7.30 p.m. The longest night service is historically held the evening of the winter solstice because it's the longest night of darkness of the year in the northern hemisphere. After this date, the time of daylight increases each day until the summer solstice in June. The metaphorical meaning of the longest night offers us this opportunity to pause and sit 
together in darkness that we're feeling. During this service, we're going to worship God together and we're going to share each other's burdens. We invite you to join us in this service to mourn people we've lost in 2020 because of COVID-19 or because of other illnesses, but also to mourn other losses because of violence and the brokenness that exists in our world. This longest night service makes room for you if you find the holidays really overwhelming or if you're just terribly lonely right now or if you're suffering loss in other ways that you can't even begin to put into words. We're going to join hands with each other over the internet and we'll also lift up our hands to God for help and join with our ancestors in the faith who cried out, how long, Lord, how long will we have sorrow in our hearts? You are dearly loved. I hope to see you on December 21st at 7.30 p.m. for this service that acknowledges loss, but also reminds us that at this time of year, there is hope. I want to thank you for joining us today. Um, it's a blessing to be able to come together, even if it's online, just to see your names and to see familiar faces. It encourages my heart and I'm so thankful for you. Um, I received a detailed list of what you guys were able to do to help others. And it brought me to tears. I am so grateful that we are part of such a generous community that cares for, actively cares for people. And so I wanna thank you all from the bottom of my heart for what you were able to do and to give. Um, and I don't have any other announcements, which actually feels pretty good for the end of the year. Um, I just wanna ask all of us if we will meditate during the week very simply, just to meditate during the week on hope and on peace and the words that I believe the Lord gave me to share with you, um, that we can have a confidence that God is able to do in you and me what God is destined for us, that God is not able to make junk so your life has meaning and purpose. You matter. You matter to God and you matter to the body because we need you. I need you. And you're that important. Together we soar. And I'd like to soar together. So I pray you have a wonderful week. You stay safe. COVID virus is, you know, increasing exponentially. So it's really important that if you don't have to go out, you don't. And that when you do, you wear your mask. We've been asked by CDC now to wear our mask whenever we go out, period. And so that's important. Let's do that. Let's keep one another safe. God bless. Here are some thoughts on peace to carry you into your week. Later in his life, I bet the innkeeper wished he had more room for Jesus. A reading from Luke 2, 6-7. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room avail available for them. Right before Jesus was to be born, his soon-to-be parents had to make the trek from Nazareth to Judea to register for a national census. The trip had to have taken them a while, especially since Mary was nine months pregnant. When they arrived in Bethlehem, eager to find a place to stay the night, the innkeeper said there was no room for them. So Mary and Joseph spent the night in a stable on haystacks next to donkeys and sheep. And that's where the Savior was born. I often wonder how long it was before the innkeeper knew that he, what he had missed. When he heard about the Messiah from Nazareth, who brought dead people back to life and healed lepers of their disease, I can't help but think 
he regretted his choice to turn them away. He had to have relived the night in his mind, coming up with ways he could have made room for the savior of the world. As busy people in the 21st century, we can point to a lot of reasons to explain why we don't make room for Jesus and for the people he loves in our lives. We have bills to pay and kids to raise and responsibilities pulling us in every direction. But there's only one thing God asks us to do, to love him and in doing so, love the people around us. Let's avoid the innkeeper's mistakes. Let's do some renovations to make room for the Messiah while we still have time. What, would, what do you need to move out of your life to make room for Jesus?